You may be seated. Yeah, yeah, sit down, sit down. Yeah, yeah. That's one way to get a, a standing ovation. Stand up. Okay. Uh, I am so glad you're here, and I see a lot of family from out of town, and I'm glad that you made it today. And I know that it was a choice on your behalf. I hope that we have a great day, and I'm planning it, and, uh, and just always enjoy my family getting together on Thanksgiving and kind of a kickoff of the holidays. Uh, let me see your hand if you're already listening to a little Christmas music. Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, now, again, let me kind of bring you up to speed. We've been in a, a series um, the, pretty much the whole year on the fact that we're blessed in order to be a blessing. And you could say that's our axiom. If you are not aware, we own a coffee shop. All the people that are part of this church own a coffee shop, and it is about a thousand, about 800 feet to the uh, west of us called Axiom. And a lot of people say, you know, what, 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 what does that stand for? That's a self-evident truth that needs no proof. Our axiom is that we're blessed in order to be a blessing. And a lot of times me, not just me, but a lot of times it's hard to convince people that they're blessed. Uh, today you will not have to worry about if you're going to eat. You're going to have to decide what you're going to eat. There's so many options. It's a difference. And in this part of the series, we've been talking, and we have to make a choice that if we walk in that or not. And in the kind of the title of this uh, series, this part of it is either someday I'll do that or this is day one. I will choose to begin. So this morning, I want you to wade into that because we're going to recall the goodness of God in our lives. I'm going to recall the goodness in our church. We're going to walk through that and kind of as we talked about the first week and how Elijah got just tired and he couldn't see the blessing of God on his life. So everything was just fear, doubt, and unbelief. And, you know, the, the evil queen, you know, Jezebel was going to kill him. He had just called down fire. But because of it, being so tired of just being busted and disgusted, he couldn't see reality of the blessing of God in his life. We talked about the, the secret of that is we get into a place where we really just get along with God, and, and for a season, not not just, you know, continual, because some people think that the pastor wants them to read the Bible 24 hours a day and pray, and if you got time for a little nap, that's good. No, I'm just saying, when you get into that place where your reality is different than what the Word of God says, spend more time with God, and you'll understand that your problem isn't as big as what you think it is. Then last week we talked about Elisha's servant, remember? And sometimes when we begin to walk in the blessing and a, and a problem comes into our life that we go, there, there is no way out of this. And we start talking the problem when we try to get people in agreement with us. You see how big it is? And they go, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's big. In the story that we talked about in the Word of God, Elisha, who took the place of Elijah, he starts seeing this, and the servant goes, Oh, God, what are we going to do? Because the army had come and encamped around the city. They were coming for Elisha. And Elisha says, God, can, can you open the eyes of my servant so he can get the whole picture? And the servant's eyes are open into the spiritual realm 
And he begins to see the army of God behind the enemy's army. And he understood what we in the New Testament can stand on is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now this morning, um, you know, I, I want you to understand that there's a lot of things that we've talked about this year and we've, we've talked a lot about habits. Because in our life, a lot of times what we want to do, we don't really realize that there's a habit that's running in our background that something could trigger us and we can change directions. And really when we get to the death, we go, well, how did I get here? What in the world? But the unconscious habits that we have running over and over in our mind causes us to show up in a destination that we, we go, I don't, I don't like this. And the word of God is in our life to change that. That we base our life on the principles and we can go back and we can recall the goodness of God. You know, remembering is not always easy for some of us and some of us might be a little bit more forgetful. I always kind of like to start with something a little funny, maybe loosen you up a little bit. A story about an older couple, retired and they went out for a, kind of a road trip. They were going to go a few hours down the road, and they had a destination picked. And they came around lunchtime, and they decided, you know what, let's stop in this little diner. You know, it's kind of cute diner, and went in, and you know how the waitresses are in those little country diners. How you doing, sugar? You know, would you like a little coffee? And so they just had a great time, and lunch was over, and they got back in the car, about 40 miles down the road, the wife said, oh, no, I forgot my glasses on the table. The older man, different than a lot of husbands in here, got a little cantankerous. And he just said, what in the world? We're 40 miles now down the road. We've got to go all the way back. And to make the problem a little even more greater, they, they had to go several miles before they could even turn around. And he just kind of argued all the way back, cantankerous. You left your glasses. I can't believe that. You're always forgetful. You can't remember what you ate last night. You can't remember to get your glasses. You need your glasses. We can't leave your glasses. Now we're here and we got to go all the way back. Finally, she was relieved. They reached the cafe. And as she was getting out of the car, he says, since you're going in for your glasses, you might as well get my hat and my credit card off of the table too. <laughs> Yee! That's a knee slaver, isn't it? We're in a holiday called what? Thanksgiving. And the older we get, we kind of just take it in stride that it's a precursor to Christmas. But it's a holiday that really demands and really it's there for us to be thankful in our life. We're as believers, we're thankful for what God has done. And, uh, you know, this, one of the songs we sang today is, uh, I, I remember the goodness of God, the, the goodness of God in my life. Do, do you do that? You know, I, I've heard uh, one time that a lot of people, and, and to some extent this you know, we live in a time that even the Bible says, don't be surprised that we're going to go through trials and tribulations. So a lot of times, you know, if we're not careful, we, we begin to, to focus because people say either you're, we're going to go into a storm 
or we're actually in the storm, or we're coming out of the storm. Life is full of storms. So this morning, in context with the sermon series and everything that we've been talking about, is you are blessed to be a blessing until you get to the point of saying, God, you have blessed me, you'll never have enough. Therefore, you will not share, you will not have life to the full, to the abundant, to the overflow. You have more than enough. So I'm going to be a blessing to the people that are around me. You know, Winston Churchill, he's kind of one of those guys. I don't know if that was a story of him and saying, pick up my hat, you know, and the critic. But he was kind of contagious, but he'd always have one-liners. And I, I like this one. If you feel like you're going through hell, keep going. I met a lot of people that hate going through hell, but boy, they keep just sitting down and talking about it. Just keep talking and meditating on it. I've heard a quote that says, it's not how hard you can hit, but how hard can you get hit and keep moving forward? There's a, a message today that I want you to get, and it's the discipline or creating a habit for us that haven't developed that discipline, creating a habit of remembering. And I'm going to give you something today, if you will just practice this. If you will just create a habit in your life, and let me tell you, we talked about the small habits over and over, just little habits over and over and over and over time will bring and compound results that you never thought possible. But if you create a habit of remembering, it's, it's a spiritual discipline that really is in the Word of God that, that is told us that are believers. And I want to use a passage in Scripture it's found in Psalms 77. And what something is, again, it begins in despair, and the psalmist is going, you know, I, I just, I just, ah. and maybe as I read these first verses, you can relate to something that you've been through, or maybe, just maybe you're going through it right now. If you have the Word of God, we're going to project it. If you have a phone, turn, swipe, whatever you need to do. To Psalms 77, it starts, or it, it ends with six powerful questions in this passage. But let, let's start in verse 1. Now listen to this. I cried out to God for help. I cried to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. Has anybody ever been in despair at night? When the lights go out and you're slowing down and you begin to meditate on the day. This is what the psalmist is doing. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night and I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remember you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked. Now here is the despair. This is signs of depression. This is the, the first part of being, you know, I, I don't want to live. Here's what he says in verse 7. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Think about that. Verse 8, has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise faded for all time? 
a lot of times exaggeration will go when we're in despair. But look at verse 9. Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Now, now listen, the despair of this first part of Psalm 77, you, you can see the guy, and, and he's just he's beside himself. He's overwhelmed. But something's going to happen that I'm encouraging you to do when you get into this place. Again, in context of realizing that you're blessed to be a blessing. Therefore, when you learn this principle and this discipline or a habit, that you can do the same thing and you can train, disciple somebody else. He says, I'm going to recall all that God has done in my life. Now look at verse 10. Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out His right hand. Look at this key word in verse 11. I will remember. Can, can you do me a favor? Can you say, I will remember on three? One, two, three. I will remember. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You can hear his emotions start turning from being going to all of a sudden then leveling out and coming up. Verse 14, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeem your people. The descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhered. The, the very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Through your footprints were not seen. Though your footprints were not seen, you led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Again. There's a habit that I'm asking you to develop in your life if you don't have the discipline right now. And that is simply the discipline of remembering the goodness of God in your life. It's transformational. It's something that will take you from where you are as a, as a person at one time being average and thinking that, well, I'm not all that, to again, almost being superhuman when you remember who's on your side. And when fear, doubt, and unbelief comes into your life, let me tell you, the one thing that you realize is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's how he does it with your purpose. And he says, fear, doubt, and unbelief through the voices that we hear that, oh, you're not that. But again, when faith begins to hear the word of God spoken over our life, and we begin to remember the goodness of God, in, and we begin to recall that, all of a sudden our focus begins to change. And instead of focusing on that problem that's speaking to us, as we spoke a couple of weeks, when Goliath came out every morning and evening to tell them who they were not, a little boy came into the scene and said, isn't there a cause? Let's go. Because he remembered what had happened in his life with the bear and the lion. 
You know, I've taught the, the principle of whatever gets your attention. You can be walking down the airport, you know, thoroughfare there, and somebody can go, hey! And you turn around. They weren't even talking to you. But whatever gets our attention is what has our focus. And whatever has our focus determines our direction and over time will lead us to destination. So this morning, I want you to see that those things that are in your life right now that is speaking against you and the goodness of God, right now, all of us desire to be in a state, and we've, we've talked about this, the state of happiness. The truth of the matter, that's why addictions are started, because we want to feel back where we were the happiest. And so we do it. And whatever that is that constantly is running in our subconscious that's saying, hey, hey, over here. And a lot of times those things that are yelling the loudest are in these times that we're going through the storm. This morning, when you get up in the morning and you're thinking about all the things you have today, I, I, I just want to encourage you to recall the goodness of God in your life. It will set the direction of the day and you say, God, thank you. Sometimes people will look at me and go, why do you smile all the time? Almost like I am the... Uh, I'm normal. Somebody one time said, you're Abby. What? Abby normal. We come to the conclusion, hmm, if God has done it, he can do it, and he will do it again. Now let me tell you this, because it excites me to be able to share it with you again. In our church history, it is something of an amazement to me how God has brought us through. And some of you, this is your first week, and some of you have been here over 30-some years. Gwen and I recall this often, and it's amazing how sometimes we'll go through a bump like all of us. And the smile begins to dim and you look on the horizon and you see something that's on the horizon as a need and, and you don't want people to go through needs or you don't, have pro- you don't want them to have problems or, or even in our life. And we, we begin to kind of, uh-oh. See, that's what we do at our church even when we take communion on the first Sunday. What are we doing? We're remembering the goodness of God and what he has done for us and dying for us that our sins can be forgiven. That we walk in covenant with him pretty exciting. And, and you've heard, it's pretty exciting when you think about it. Well, that's what I'm asking you to do, to meditate on the goodness of God in your life. Now, in, in 1992, Gwen and I, 26 years old, I wish I had all the questions then because I had all the answers. I wanted to put out a sign, line up, baby, I got all the answers. You get a problem, just ask me. The older I get, the more I don't have as many answers as I thought. 1992, 26 years old, we were given the opportunity to pastor Lighthouse Assembly of God. It was located on Layton Street in Haltom City that will eventually become this church. And what was exciting is Gwen and I had had been out of ministry. I mean, we had been part of churches, but we had been a youth minister in Burleson and on the east side of Fort Worth, and we, we just felt like it was time to pastor a church. Nobody told us that nobody pastors at 26. 
And so we put out an application to that little church in on Layton Street. And uh, we were relocating to Wren House in Arlington because we hadn't got any response and we thought that we might start a church in the inner city of Dallas. And we got a call. I have a lot of friends, and if you don't know me, I kind of like to laugh and kind of have a good time. Don't say that, Brianna. You know that. <laughs> And, and I thought a friend of mine was playing a joke because he picked a name that nobody has, Joe Forkwer. I thought, what? Who? Joe Forkwer. And he goes, yeah. Kind of had a little voice, a little deep voice, you know, which sounds like somebody, you know, trying to play. I want you to come and, and speak on Sunday. I'm 26. I say, well, I would be glad to. So I didn't know showing up on Sunday morning if this was going to be a joke. So I played it pretty cool. Gwen and I got there just a little early. Nobody was at the front door. We heard laughing in the back. They had a Sunday school class, one adult class in the back of the church. And, and we walked down a hall and kind of, hey, come on in. So we thought, uh-oh, we're still on the visitor case. We don't know if this is for real or not. So we just went through the Sunday school class, and pretty soon they said, well, we're glad to hear that you're speaking today. And I forgave all my friends that could have been pulling that trick on me right there. They asked us to come back a few weeks later and and to preach again, and the church decided to have us as the pastors. And I remember the night that we got voted in, there was 12 people, three of them were children, and... uh, the, the nine adults that voted us in, uh, they had gone through about, I think the church had seven pastors in about 13 years, 15 years, something like that. So, I mean, they, and so the, the uh, well, I'll just, the Koi Forkor, <laughs> that's the only one that's been here longer than Gwen and I. First Sunday in January will be 32 years. Koi says, uh, Pastor could you just stay three years? Would you, would you just stay three years? We, we, we've been going through a lot of pastors, and we just three years. I thought, <laughs> I, I pictured me around Joe Forkworth's thigh as he went out to church that day. You're not getting rid of me. And so Gwen and I began to just pray and love the people. It was so exciting, and it has always been exciting. And I remember that after a few years, I realized that we were in a spot on Layton Street. And if you know the old location of the church, I know that the Vodders and the Davises and Pauline were there. And and, and what, what was cool about it, but it was kind of odd, is that on our street, I mean, so close that you could throw a rock and hit every one of them. Not that I did that. But there were churches. There was an independent church on our right. Across the street was a Methodist church, and then next to them was a Baptist church, and next to them was a little Hispanic Pentecostal church. We were a Pentecostal Assembly God church. And being a young pastor, I kind of thought, why did all those other churches build after we were here? Then I realized that we were the last church to build on that street. So God began to impress on me, what if we relocated and, and I'd heard then, after I asked that question in a board meeting one day, that they said, well, there was former pastors of our church that wanted to do that. So I, I thought, hey, God, is that for us? And I, I got a clear yes. And so we began to look for land 
in Summerfield, which if you know this area, we're considered Keller or North Fort Worth, but Summerfield is probably about five miles to our south. We still were going to move, you know, probably five to eight miles away from that location. And so we began to look for land, and, and then we decided to kind of branch out. So we had a, a branch Sunday school class, a kind of a, a second campus, uh, but a campus kind of gives an idea of having thousands, and we had about 20 going to that location. And Gwen and I would go, and we would do a, a service before then leaving that daycare on Basswood and Riverside and, and going back to the Layton Street in Haltom City, Fort Worth, and, and, and having that service later that morning. We, we started bus ministries, and we, we, we did uh, homeless ministries to downtown Fort Worth, and we were so excited. And as we started this, we, we began to look for land north of the church where there wasn't a church. And we began to look, and, and, and I would get excited. And during the time of relocation, we had sold the church finally to an Assembly of God Hispanic church that the roof had fallen in. And so they got insurance money, and, and they, they bought the church. We were meeting in a, a daycare, that same daycare, kindercare. Every Sunday, we would hang the moguls, you know, up into the ceiling tiles, turn back on the Coke machine and the pinball machine so it could yell at them. We met in this daycare for several years, but what was kind of crazy is they said, Pastor, we're so sorry. You're, you're meeting in our biggest room, but we're, we're going to have to put a partition, lockers in the middle of it, right down the middle of the biggest room that's about this high. So people that came in on this side where the door was in the back during the service didn't really know who was sitting on this side until I had them stand. Well, there's Bob. I didn't know he was going to church today. That's what we went through. God's goodness of bringing us from there. Then we began to look for land in this area. Nobody would call us back. Land in this area went from $10,000 an acre right before we put the church on the market to a dollar a foot, which is $43,560 an acre because of the savings and loan crisis that was going on during those years. And then investors swooped in to buy all the land out here. So when a pastor of a church of our size called, they would say, uh, let me call you back, which was code for good luck with all that. Because anytime a church would buy in a particular area, it would dictate what could go in around it. And these guys were not just people trying to sell their property. They had invested their money into it. Therefore, they wanted the best return. So I became a real estate agent. That's right, real estate agent John Miller, not a pastor, so that you'll call me back. I sold a total of zero properties in my life. I had, guys, got to the place where David was in Psalm 77. God, where are you? Will you ever be merciful again? Sounds like a man of faith, doesn't it? No? No? And God told me. Now, listen, I know that when somebody will say, God told you, you go, yeah, right. I was in that place where I was listening. And God said, I want you to drive up and down Golden Triangle. God, that's so far away from where our church was. 
I want you to drive up and down Golden Triangle. I want you to call all the numbers of all those real estate signs. So one Wednesday night, I was visiting another church, and after church, I got my pen and paper out and drove up and down, and I wrote all those numbers down. And I called them all back, and, you know, I called them, and nobody called me back. But one day, I was at home in, in my office slash bedroom for Mark and, or Luke and Heath slash whatever else we needed that room for. But anyway, no church. We didn't have a building. And so I got a call, and his name was Wayne Winters. And again, the man of faith goes, who is named Wayne Winters? What is this, an old mate costume, you know, or whatever that's... Wayne Winters, he goes, yeah, I uh, represent the property on Golden Triangle that you called. I'd like to talk to you about it. And I said, I'd love to talk to you about it. So I got in my truck, we, I drove down, and then I realized where his office was. It was in the Texas Rangers arena, uh, park area. And I walked in and he says, I represent Don Davis, which was a multimillionaire and had all the car dealerships. And he said, Don has been given many options to sell this property, but he just never wanted to sell it. Recalling the goodness of God in our life is good for us. Because as I sat there, he said, John, it does have a lot of floodplain on it. And we've had offers for two, three hundred thousand dollars. But what are you saying that you would want to pay for it? Now, after I said free, and he laughed a little bit, I said, "Well, we have. Uh, I'd like to offer one hundred and sixty-five thousand. And he said, "Well, let me run this by Mr. Davis. He's putting his boat in the ocean. He should be back in about a week." I said, okay, I can wait. He called me back and he said, we'll take it. So I got the board. If you, Joe Forquer and at that time Walt Collins and Ina Mae Palmer. If you remember Ina Mae, she's a little lady that he, <laughs> she just laughed all the time, loved people. And we get to the office and he says, he'll take it. So he stepped out for a minute, and, and the board said, John, why don't we ask 135000 because that's what we actually have with the sale of the other building and everything, and then we'd be debt-free on the property. And I went, 165000 I can't find 165000 I'm the one that's selling it. I mean, buying it, and I can't find it. Okay, I'll do it. So I said, hey, not, uh, Mr. Winters, would you ask for 135000 and he came back and he said, he said he'd take it for the church. Now, guys, 135000 purchased the 10 and a half acres that you're sitting on. Now, the amount of investment that you have in it, if it's this is your first Sunday, or if it, you, depends probably on the amount of emotion that's tied to this. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> When you realize the goodness of God and you recall what you have, there's something that comes over you of a gratefulness, a, a, a gratitude of saying, thank you, God. And, and we buy this land, we build this building, and again, we get to about $135,000 in debt with this building. 
We, we stay in this. We, April of 2000, uh, we moved in. We began to have church, and when we moved in, we had grown to almost 100 at the old location, but we had lost a lot of people and had about another 30 when we moved into here. Now, again, people would come and go, John White, why did your church buy so far out into the no land? I said, just wait. They you, you couldn't even get water up to this part of Fort Worth. The, the older mobile home to my right back here had their own water and sewer system. And so we began to build... Now listen to this. Took it all the way through the city of Fort Worth in the last comments that the city of Fort Worth was the fire department that put a note on the building plans in the permit. No. Everything else. We bought the land and the fire chief said, Pastor, I'm not going to let you build a building out there. Now, I've shared with you many times that this was one of the lowest times in my life. I'd led these good people to place out into Golden Triangle where a lot of voices were saying, man, nobody's out there. What are you doing? You took all the money from that building and you invested it in nothing. We haven't even started actually building this building. And the fire chief says, I'm not going to let you, because there's no water. Is the, the water is too low pressure. If the fire, if the building would catch on fire, you can't put out the fire. We can't, we can't give it the risk. We can't take the responsibility. Now, this is when I sat in my recliner. That's right, I have a recliner. And I begin to twitch. That's right, twitch. My thumb would go like this. At the same time that Michael J. Fox on the movie star got MS that started twitching at the same time. So, you know, I was one symptom away from Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm being very transparent, guys. I, I, I didn't have insurance, so I went and paid out of pocket for a neurologist to tell me I was crazy. You, you're not, you don't have Lou Gehrig's disease. God, have you stopped being merciful to me? The exaggerations that go through your mind? One of the symptoms of Lou Gehrig's disease is insomnia. I would wake up at night, go and watch TV, and there'd be a commercial about Lou Gehrig's disease and insomnia. I, I'm Tell the truth. There's plenty of voices out there to confirm your lack of faith, fear, doubt, and unbelief. So, I mean, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm Gwen would read passages out of the Word of God to get me to go to sleep at night. Whatever is your focus has your attention, and your attention is going to determine your direction. And I begin to, again, as I'm talking here, the discipline or the habit of remembering, 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 of thinking back of the goodness of God and replaying that over in my mind of what God had done up to that moment. And as I begin to play that back, I begin to have faith. And I called the fire chief back. I remember going, hey, I, I don't want to sue anybody, but if you guys sold, if you, you, you can't provide services and you 
really, it's your, your, he says, I'm going to release that. Good luck. He released it. And unknowns to him, there was a water line that went in front of this property that they didn't know about. They gave us enough fire protection to put a fire hydrant out there also to provide water for the building. Do you see the goodness of God? Just keep walking. See, there's something when God gives us hope, it allows us to put our faith in what we're hoping for. A lot of people pull up short and don't have hope. We built the building in 2009, the young people. We'd grown to a place where the young adults were meeting in the lobby. So we needed this building back here, and it cost us 135000 it should have cost us probably 200 but there were people in the church that could contract the work, and there was a plumbing supply that gave the guy in the church owned that he provided all the plumbing supplies free to bring in the water line around with thousands of dollars, and somebody in his business owed him money, and he said, you do that for us, and we'll wipe off the debt. You know what I did during that construction? Nothing. I just smiled and said, thank you, God. We built the youth building, and about that time, I remember Lisa wanting this keyboard and, and some of the things that we have up here still. And and she said, you know, <laughs> you know, Lisa, she she's not here today, so I can kind of speak boldly, even though she's watching online, she can't say nothing. <clears throat> so she says, Pastor, it's about seventy five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's right, seventy five hundred dollars. And so we started praying and taking up money. I got a phone call from the city of Fort Worth. You know, Pastor, we're doing Golden Triangle here. We'd like to cut off three feet of the property right here at this bend in the road, three feet by 300. So these ceiling tiles are roughly one foot, so three of them by 300 feet, just a And we would like to pay you $7,700. I said, I think I'll take it. Recalling the goodness of God. We knew that this was floodplain all the way down to Axiom. I mean, it needed at least three feet of fill. Now, let me tell you, just the price of putting a pad site was 20000 So it could have been hundreds of thousands to bring in dirt. We began to pray. This was all new out here, and the subdevelopments were going in, the, the neighborhoods, and they would call. We put a sign out, Pastor, can we dump dirt there? We'll give you $10 a load, and we'll come with our tractor and knock it all down. There were times when semis, like a train all the way to 35, would be pulling in and dumping, and they'd have tractors knocking it down. All of it was, all of it was floodplain. Now it's out of the floodplain, free. See, when we bought this land, there was a businessman in this area that I talked to and said, Pastor, I wouldn't have taken that land if they would have given it to me. <laughs> I haven't seen him in years. And I just, you know, just a little fleshy. I just got to admit, a little fleshy. But I would like to see. See, do you see the goodness of God? So to dig this ditch out here, in order for us to reclaim all the land that we have, was as protected as the Mississippi River. That's actually in the United States flood way. That's like a river protection. Did we know that when we came in? No. But you find out, and what do you do? God, when will you be merciful? 
God says, I got this. A gas company shows up and knocks on the door and says, do you know you have the lease? I mean, do you know you have mineral rights? No. Because nobody sells property anymore without taking mineral rights with them. They showed up and they said, you have the mineral, could we do a lease? And I said, let me think about it. About that time, another gas company showed up. Pastor, do you know that you have the mineral rights to the property that you sit on? I said, yes, I do. Come right on in. We got those two in in, uh, negotiations with us. And we knew that this property out here in the back was going to cost $35,000 to be able to dig that ditch. Now listen to me, the goodness of God, he shows up on the scene and he tells those gas company, he says, you got to do it now. So they were telling me, there's no way, pastor, we're going to give you that. Now they're showing up because the school owns 118 acres to our west and they were needing the mineral rights too. And the mobile homes, so we went into a pool and they said, in damages, just the acre that we'll take to be able to build the gas well. One day down the road, we'll give you 35000 I said, I think I'll take that. And we dug the ditch. For the church, it cost us nothing but just believing. Recalling now the goodness of God, all of a sudden, what, what's next? What storm is on the horizon for that? I don't care. We've got a God that's bigger than that storm. We dug the ditch. Now listen, when we move the first Sunday of nine people and God has brought us this far when we could not even begin to imagine all this, and then next Monday, the Monday after Thanksgiving, we will celebrate five years in owning Axiom Coffee in the retail building. But to be able to do all of this and to build those buildings and do a Axiom coffee shop, that every day you might not be there, but there's somebody that represents the church that is there. I want to ask you if you go online and do a review of how amazing everything is, because a lot of times people are influenced just by other people. But most of the reviews that we have on the different Yelp or whatever, Google or whatever, a lot of them will say there's something about the people that are working there. And we're in the community. I could go on, but I'm out of time. I want to encourage you, when you get to the place where you are not seeing it, some of you right now might be going through marital problems. Can, can I ask you to do something? Can I ask you, where did you guys meet? Talk to me about that. Now, I'm not going to be in your house, and I'm not, but just begin talking. Do you remember where we met? And all of a sudden, a lot of times in counseling, when I start there, people will start recalling the goodness of God in their life. Well, she was this little girl that came in with a bow in her hair, and she said that, and I said that, and we kind of laughed a little bit. And all of a sudden, the problems of, she does not put the toilet paper on right, all of a sudden melts away. And you begin to recall the emotions that went off on the inside the first time you saw each other. 
you begin to walk through the times that you've gone through rough times, but God has brought you through. Someday or day one, you get to decide. God has blessed you in order to be a blessing. When you can have this discipline of remembering and recalling the goodness of God in your life, all of a sudden, life will go to the place of happiness, of what God has provided as an abundant life. Let's pray. Father, today you're a good father. And God, you have spoken, you have acted. God, and your behavior is consistent that you love us. And Father, as Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, that God, that you earnestly desire to be gracious to us. And you lift yourself up, looking and longing and expecting to be good to us. God, I, I just ask that we, as your children, would receive and notice and recall the goodness that you have shared in our lives. That God, no matter what the storm is, that God, that we know that you're still on the throne and your desire is to be a loving father. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Amen. Now this morning... Is different than pretty much every uh, church service of the year, and that is that we are for sure going to eat lunch. And, and there's turkey. If you've never been to a, a church dinner, let me tell you, you're missing it. And I'll just tell you, if you see somebody go to the desserts first, they are not a rookie. So what we do is because this is the biggest room in the, the building is we, we kind of boom, tear this all down and put up tables, white tables. And, and then we say, you know, go through the line and before you get back, it'll all be set up. If some of us would do that, and here's what we do. If you have children, they're in children's church, you're, you can be dismissed in about 30 seconds to go out and to get your children and go through the line and come back in. And then all of us wait just a few minutes and then we can follow them through the line. And then here, here's the only requirement is that you have a good time. If, if you have a frown on your face today, just for a second, recall the goodness of God. And, and here's where you get to start. I get to eat today. God, I pray over our food today. Bless it to our bodies. Help us again to recall the goodness and being thankful. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? The music's going to play. You that have children, go for it.